The Jalen Ramsey slander was a hundred percent in the building. There's a reason their team is paying them to leave the team. Do you believe Charles Barkley shamed James Harden out of play these last couple of games? If I was KD, I would hate James Harden. I think it's clear that he does. Like when you said, I'm Kevin Durant, do you know who I am? You are him. You are too big to play Switzerland. 50-year-old 50 cent. Pulls himself, pulls his entire body weight up and flips himself upside down manually. I'm pretty sure Kenny Atkinson, part of the reason he got fired was that he wanted to play Jarrett Allen all-star over DeAndre Jordan, who's going to get bought out for the second year in a row. Fly pod. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 71 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Tony Stays Talking, a.k.a. Please, Zach Levine, sit out the all-star game. Let's not mess around with this knee. And I am joined here by a special guest. You already know who he is. Sam, you want to give your AKAs for the day? AKA Lakers second half push, AKA buyout market champions. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we are going to get into some buyout market talk today, but first, a little bit of house cleaning. This is the last episode of the season. <laughs> The final, final, final episode of the season. We will be taking a break to regroup, re-energize, and reformulate to make sure that we can give you the best show possible. So y'all won't hear from us for a while, but you understand I'll be active on social media, Twitter, at the Fly Route Pod, as well as Instagram, Facebook, Especially on YouTube, the Fly Route Pod. Type it in on your search bar. You can always catch me breaking down the latest and greatest in the NFL and NBA. We'll keep giving you short-form YouTube content during the break. But today, we have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. We are definitely going to get into our reactions from the Super Bowl now that a champion has been crowned. We are going to talk about the NBA buyout market the all-star competition, and a couple of key stories that we think you should think about going into the second half of the NBA season. Let's get right into it. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. All right, all right. Look, let's talk about this Super Bowl. The refs were bad all throughout the game. Like, at first, everybody was all we really like how the refs are calling this game. They've really been swallowing the flags. There haven't been a lot of flags out. That's a good game for the Super Bowl. Let them do their thing. But when they were swallowing their flags, they were missing, like, terribly blanted stuff. Like, Ramsey pass interference, uh, I think, on Higgins in the end zone. Obviously, <laughs> Ramsey then getting the face mask for a 75-yard. That was the biggest play for the Bengals all night. Right. Of course, then they flip opposite side and then just start throwing flags crazy at the very end of the game. All right. You looking at the refereeing of the game. A lot of people are talking about that phantom P.I. call for Cooper Cup, especially. Did you feel a type of way about it? Yeah, but it's also just hard not to just like be mad at Eli Apple, too. You know, like, 
I, I do think the refing was bad. I also think if the Rams had lost and Rams fans had gone around complaining about the officiating, no one's going to want to hear it because you got to the Super Bowl on a on a no-call pass interference call already. So, I don't know. Like, ultimately, they end up winning, so they can't complain about it anyway. But that's just something that was sticking in the back of my mind that was like, they're going to complain about this Ramsey no-call if they lose this game. And, like, they've already had a Super Bowl appearance off a of no-call, so I don't want to hear any Rams fans talking about it. I I, I felt like Jalen Ramsey was getting quite, quite a bad rap. Like, the Jalen Ramsey slander was 100% in the building after that game. They were like, this is the most yards he's ever given up in a game. Like, I want to say it was 160 and, like, Basically, they were like, he got torched. He had a terrible game. But, like, if you don't count that one offensive P.I. call that doesn't get called, he only gave up 85 yards all game outside of that one, like, excessively obvious face mask. Like, Jalen Ramsey actually balled out. Like, actually balled out. We do have to acknowledge, we did kind of say – last week that he would get exposed and uh i'm still gonna say we were right because uh if you look at the yards at the end of the game the stat sheet says what it says but uh he may uh, have gotten his face mask grabbed a little bit yeah he he actually bought out because they had him on chase and higgins basically whoever they thought was the primary receiver in that package for that play. They were like, all right, Jalen Ramsey's going to go over there and try to stop it. Like, dude played out of this world in the Super Bowl. And, like, yeah, yeah, that one, that one, Sissy is big, big misleading. Now, I didn't think, he, like, here, here's what I'll say. Speaking of exposed, I did tell you about this Bengals offensive line. You did indeed. That's why I, I that's why I took both. Bengals plus four and a half at the Rams money line like that worked out perfectly because like when it really mattered they could not try and it's, to stop him it's Aaron fitting Donald. that uh it came down to the last play being the the offensive line just not coming through as well last two really like Aaron Donald bust through the offensive line is able to snatch P. Ryan with one arm and stop him from moving. Like, yo, did you feel like Cooper Cup deserved that MVP? There was a lot of people saying that Cooper Cup should not have been Super Bowl MVP. I think he did. He played a hell of a game, honestly. And I think he deserved regular season MVP too, honestly. Like, what player was better in football than Cooper Cup this year? Like, maybe I'm coming from it mostly for – or a lot from a fantasy perspective, just like being an absolute monster. But I thought both in the Super Bowl and just in the regular season, Cooper Cup, probably the best player in football this year. Uh, so, yeah, I think well-deserved. All right, I was on the same page. I thought Cup was going to win it, especially after scoring the go-ahead touchdown. Like, he was out there, and he was it. Like – that brings us to OBJ, who, by the way, OBJ had a huge impact on this Super Bowl. It was early, and it was easily forgotten, but he had 52 in a TD. The Rams only scored three touchdowns. OBJ had one of them. Cooper Cup had the other two. 
Like OBJ actually had a big impact on this game in a very small amount of time. I feel like if he didn't get hurt, he would have went absolutely insane. I agree. And I'm glad he got the touchdown before going down uh, if he was going to because and they end up winning the game because even though he didn't get to finish it, he still made a huge impact on the outcome of the Super Bowl. And that's something that Salty Browns fans can never take away from him. And uh, I'm, I'm sh- I haven't looked at the Browns subreddit since the Super Bowl, but I definitely should. Oh, man. So, like, speaking of this, so Cooper Cup didn't have OBJ, and they knew Cooper Cup was going to be the guy, and they still couldn't stop him. Like, granted, they were still trying to stop Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald still had Leonard Floyd. He still had Von Miller, who made some big plays as well. And particularly once they kind of figured out the way that Cincinnati was trying to scheme for him, they just obliterated them. Like they were like, oh, we're going to just bring down a linebacker and then you can't double team and it's it's over. Now, OBJ did tear his ACL. Do you think that impacts him maybe staying with the Rams next season? Does, does, do the Rams try to take two wide receivers off like season ending relatively catastrophic injury so the way i just understand it kind of like mostly through the nba is just that when a player has like a a career altering injury like that a lot of the time they'll just end up staying on the team that they were on both because like familiarity of the situation and there are probably going to be less suitors trying to take a risk so it would surprise me less if he stayed um, with the Rams both coming off the Super Bowl and coming off an injury. Just like if he was already happy there, then familiarity of the situation would seem to be something that would help the recovery process uh, if he's already kind of uh, like has his uh, flag planted there. All right, all right. halftime show, halftime show. What did you think about the halftime show? I love the f- halftime show. <laughs> halftime show was really good, I thought. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I thought that everyone really did their thing. And uh, that I, I, I just thought that it was exactly kind of what I expected to be seeing who was going to be performing. Like, oh, this is going to be great. And it was. Um, I'm really glad 50 made a surprise appearance. It's kind of crazy seeing like the biggest executive in TV right now, just like also like taking a day off to go rap at the Super Bowl because he can do that. So that's the one thing that stuck out to me. Yo, the people do not have enough respect for 50's name for what he's actually out here doing. Like, I thought it was hilarious all the like 50 set, it's now one dollar jokes. And, like, I don't know if you've seen the footage, but, like, literally before the camera pans on him and people are making those jokes, like, 50-year-old 50 Cent grabs the bar, pulls himself, pulls his entire body weight up and flips himself upside down manually. Like, the, the person people are, like, has inflated into a dollar has literally done something the majority of Americans have no chance of doing right now. Like, I don't know what those people are talking about anyway, because I do. He's ripped, and if you follow him on Instagram, he's constantly working out. So 
Like he literally pulled his whole body weight and flipped himself upside down. Like at that age, it, that shit was ridiculous to me. Eminem kneeling. How'd you feel about it? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> yeah, I just loved how big of a deal it was for people as if like it wasn't Eminem. Like they were like, they told Eminem he explicitly could not do this. And I was like, well, the history of Eminem, has that ever worked out for anybody? Like, if you want Eminem to do something, it sounds like you got to be like, don't, you can't do this, man. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Eminem is, he, he I don't know. <laughs> Eminem shows I don't even up, know what to say. Honestly. He shows up to every event in the same exact outfit. Like, <laughs> he does whatever the hell he wants. That that hoodie and that dad hat, but the Jordan threes were incredible. I can't stop seeing those mm. on my timeline. The shoes that he was wearing, and big fan. I, I do want to touch on the Eli Apple thing because you're like Eli Apple could have just played a little bit better. Eli Apple seemed to get quite humbled by a lot of people after some of the mess he was talking, and I don't. First off, I didn't mind Eli Apple talking any of the shit he was talking. Because, like, for the most part, he was playing well enough during the playoffs to back that up. But you can't say the food in New Orleans is bad no matter how well you're playing. Uh, look, that's a personal preference. You can just <laughs> say you don't think Eli Apple has taste. Like, he can say whatever <laughs> the hell he wants. Like, that's kind of my thing, right? Like, I enjoyed it, like, I like vocal athletes. I like athletes that come out and just talk their shit. Like, that is, it's entertainment. It is entertainment. Like, Eli, like, Eli Apple's profile, I think, is probably at its largest it's ever been. And he probably, Eli Apple's profile after the Super Bowl is higher than Trey Hendrickson's. And there should be no single metric on the field that allows that to happen. And that's solely because Eli Apple was just talking mad grease. People love the nonsense. Like, Trey Henderson had like 15 sacks this season and then produced in the playoffs as well. First year with the Bengals. Matt Stafford is a Super Bowl champion. Jalen Ramsey is a Super Bowl champion. Like Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. is a Super Bowl champion. Facts, facts. I, I like the sound of that. And oh, for sure, like Aaron Donald, former Leonard, former Bear Leonard Floyd is a Super Bowl champion. Like the names on this team that got stamped are, are just like ridiculous. It's, it's, it's a Playboy affair. A buyout market. Look, I actually like this conversation because Sam opened up the podcast saying buyout market champions, uh, and. To be buyout market champions, there would have to be championship level starting talent available on the buyout market because that's how down bad the Lakers are. But neither here nor there, we want to explore the buyout market with y'all and give you all a heads up about who's going to be available, what teams have some traction, excuse me, have some traction with some of these key names and where we should expect things to go. And I think one of the hottest names on NBA uh, buyout to be a free agent is Goran Dragic, right? Just like 
people know what Goran Dragic can do and has been able to do, even though he's a little bit older. But he will also be significantly more fresh, having not really played this season. And he has a playoff experience. He's been on deep. He went to the – he look, Goran Dragic was playing big minutes in the NBA Finals just two finals ago. Like, that, that is not an understatement. He seems to going to be bought out of San Antonio after being traded that way to gather a second-round pick. I'm hearing a lot of words about Dallas and him wanting to link up with Luka Doncic. I personally believe this is a little bit cap. I agree. Um, I know that they have known each other for a long time, play for Slovenian team together and everything, but Dallas just got Spencer Dinwiddie, which when we get to talk about it, Talking about the Porzingis trade, we'll talk about that more. They also have Jalen Brunson, and Luka handles the ball like 90% of the time for them anyway. So I just don't think adding like a fourth point guard into the mix of that makes a lot of sense, even though uh, he's like friends with Luka and everything. Uh, I've also heard Chicago. I also believe that. Oh, you think – I? why? Well, we have- let me – let me say it only makes sense given injury situation. I think that if everyone were healthy, um, it would th- there would really be no need. But with Lonzo and Crusoe out, having a second playmaker behind Zach Levine, Kobe White, having like just like a more traditional yeah, Io. Like Io is ridiculous. Like we want to mature him. That's why I think it's cap because Io is playing so well. On so many, like I always had multiple double digit assist games this month. Yeah, I know people are really buzzing about him, and uh, I haven't really watched a ton of Bulls since Lonzo and Crusoe went down. So I didn't even know that he was really taking over playmaking duties. I know that people liked betting on his rebounds for like a few weeks before FanDuel caught on. And like raised all of the props on it now, but uh, but that makes sense, and, and I agree with kind of just like the reasoning behind that. If you have a young player who you're trying to develop into that role, going out and potentially limiting those minutes from buying out Dragic doesn't make a lot of sense. And we really desperately need a big if we're gonna take something off of our roster, it needs to be to add like size now here are some people that i think is legitimate i do hear the lakers but we hear the lakers for everybody yeah i mean i think it could be somewhat legitimate but (laughs) i have to say like my buyout market champions declaration and just like researching the buyout market has only made me more depressed (laughs) on the state of the lakers like even if the lakers do get gordon Dragic. Gordon Dragic, like, eh, that's cool, but we're still probably gonna be looking towards the play-in game, or maybe even worse, maybe slightly better. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it moves the needle a whole lot. But if the if they got him, I I would force myself to be optimistic and happy about it. I think. Okay, I also hear the Bucks. And the Bucks actually sounded sneaky good to me. Like the Bucks have lost a lot of their depth over this season, but still have a very strong core. He'd be able to come off the bench, provide key spot minutes, help lead a second unit. I think the Bucks and Goran Dragic have a lot of 
basketball sense to it for me, especially if Goran is trying to get that ring. Agreed. I think that one just like makes the most intuitive sense. Can I tell you two that are probably not going to happen that I like? I'm listening. So back to the heat. Is, I actually think that's the biggest sleeper. It's going to happen. It's actually what I think is 100% happening. Go ahead. That one is just nice. Like, even if Kyle Lowry and Hero are, like, eating into a lot of the minutes he used to get, whatever. He doesn't have to have as big of a role as he used to. So, I and they just cleared a roster. They cleared a roster spot at the deadline, traded Akpala, um, and have the ability to go get someone off the buyout. Maybe that's not what they're thinking. Um, but it would just make sense. Like you can get him back for like a significantly reduced price and have used him uh, for salary filler in the Kyle Lowry trade. I also like uh, the Celtics, even though they just got Derek White. I still think that they could use some point guard help. Um, and trading Schroeder, I think only would open up kind of more space for that. So I think that's one place that, I haven't like heard much about, but I, I, you always hear the Celtics are like looking to get kind of that point guard to to build around Tatum and Brown. And while I, I think Dragic is too late in his career to be that, for, could be like a good stopgap for this season. Okay, I I so much believe the Miami thing. I also think that's a large part of the reason why Dragic wanted to be traded again, because once he got traded the second time to San Antonio it allowed the Heat to legally be able to re-sign him. So, and, like, I don't know if people caught this, but months ago, he was – like, he hasn't been playing, so he's just been, like, working out. He posted a bunch of videos of him doing workouts in Miami Heat clothing. Mm. Yeah. I, look, I peeped these little things, and I just kind of put them in my back pocket, and that is one for why I'm like, mm, the Heat sound real good to me. All right. A name I heard and a name I just want to – put out as a hundred percent cap and like don't wish on it because he's one of the higher level names up here is Gary Harris from Orlando. People thought he was going to be moved at the deadline, particularly because he's on an expiring like $20 million a year uh, for this year contract. He is playing 30 minutes a game. There is no way Orlando is just buying out 30 minutes a game. Like, it just means nothing. Like, Gary Harris is going to play through that season. I think he wants to play through this season in Orlando because his numbers are going to look really, really good. It's going to look like a big rebound season for him, especially with the minutes that he's getting. That's going to be big. Your Lakers, though, seem all but confirmed to be buying out DeAndre Jordan. (laughs) Yeah, I think DeAndre Jordan and Bazemore will get bought out and that there will be two – roster spots that the Lakers try to fill. I I mean, Gary Harris would make sense as like trying to be someone that they would target. I just don't think he'll get bought out. Like, I think the Magic are probably going to eat that contract or if they can, I don't know like what the like terms on the contract are. If they can sign and trade in the summer and like find something, they might do that. But I don't think they're just going to like buy out 20 million for Gary Harris to just go sign with someone else when he, when, like you said, he's putting up productive numbers for their team. So I think that's kind of a pipe dream. And I think he'll just like finish the season in Orlando. 
can DeAndre Jordan do anything for a contender? No, I don't think so. I mean, we've seen him be on – the Lakers aren't a contender right now. So, I guess we don't know in that sense. But, like, he was also just getting DNP'd by the end of his time in Brooklyn. So and, – and was in kind of like the perfect situation where he had the two main stars on the team – lobby for him to to be on the team and be getting minutes in fact i'm pretty sure kenny atkinson part of the reason he got fired was that he wanted to play Jarrett allen all-star over deandre jordan who's going to get bought out for oh. the second year in a row oh my um, god and Kyrie was such a scapegoat like they were just like we don't like this guy because he won't do exactly what we want him to do and he's actually trying to coach us like Maybe he Sean rebuilt Mark brooklyn's have, culture uh, Sean Marks should have probably realized that Kyrie was a weirdo a little bit earlier than he did because they took a pay cut and like just demanded that DeAndre Jordan be starting over a a center who is now an all-star like a year ago, like two, like a year and a half ago. Yeah, no, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like a lot of those early moves that they've made when they got to Brooklyn have all seemed to backfire because a lot of those guys are hooping. Robin Lopez is one of my favorite speculations for the buyout market. He's not playing a lot of minutes because he's behind Mo Bamba, and he's also behind the uh, former Bull, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Yes. So he's he's like third plus on the depth chart in a one-year, $5 million contract. He's a great defender, offers a lot of size and rebounding. Like, he is someone that I think is actually really, really interesting for teams. Like, the Bulls, like, if you could get Robin Lopez back, that would be huge. Like, other teams that kind of – honestly, I don't think the Lakers would mind having this guy since AD never wants to play the five. Like, although – Russell Westbrook, so like another non shooter on the floor makes that hard. Like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people. Brooklyn will probably also be interested in his services. A lot of people who are interested in the Robin Lopez services if they become available. Orlando rarely buys people out, probably because they're like, eh, it's fine. We're already paying you. And like, not like our games matter anyway. Like, <laughs> Orlando is historically not a great market to get bought out of. But I am really hoping Robin Lopez is able to find his way on the team to make more impact, especially uh, towards the latter end of his career. But he was a bull for like three years. And he's someone that I think Bulls fans should be really, really on the lookout for, especially because the relationship already exists. I like that one. I also like – I was going to suggest a team that I like him on, but I'm going to save this team for another big man on the buyout market that I think makes more sense. Are we talking Tristan Thompson? We're talking Tristan Thompson. All and right, the team let's I'm see referring it. to is Philly because they lost Andre Drummond in the trade between Brooklyn between for, for Harden and, and Ben Simmons and everything. So – I think really they don't really care who the backup center is behind Embiid because, like, he's especially in the playoffs, he's going to play like 40 plus minutes and they'll figure out like those five minutes that or eight minutes, whatever. He's not on the court. Um, but I think Tristan Thompson, if they could get him off the buyout market, would serve a really because it's not like Andre Drummond was doing nothing. 
Like you don't really need to worry about the backup for your for the best player in the world because if they go down, you're you're like fucked anyway. But you at least want productive minutes for when they're off the court. Uh, so I think Tristan Thompson could do that for Philly. I like that. Tristan Thompson is another person that I was like, well, the Bulls should probably look at. Like Tristan Thompson, for all the negatives that people want to talk about off the court, and if it's some of the negatives on the court, like how he kind of got sent to like the abyss of Sacramento by saying like, who needs the coaching staff? I don't need a coach to get me motivated. Like that rant was fantastic. Fantastic, mind you be. But like, look, Tristan Thompson averages more offensive rebounds a game than Joel Embiid. Yep. Like, that is something that has been his bread and butter and the reason why so many years you were like, why do they keep paying Tristan Thompson so much money? And you're like, well, that's because Tristan Thompson, Boardman gets paid, that's why. That's, yep. Yeah, that's why he's getting bit, and especially on the offensive side of the floor. I will. All right, so... Obligatory comment section here is free my nigga John Wall. This has gone on long enough. The Houston Rockets, this is functionally an NBA war crime. Like, this is like the anti Ben Simmons situation where John Wall wants to play basketball and you all are just like, nah, we're good. And you're leaving him at home wasting his years especially for a guy who has not been able to see the court for injuries in quite some time. I cannot, cannot, cannot stress this anymore. Houston Rockets need to stop robbing us of the rest of John Wall's NBA playing career because he can still do spectacular things on the court. Just buy my mans out. Like, unless you're trying to trade for Russell Westbrook, which it seems like, the deal was too expensive for the Lakers because you wanted a first. You're just not getting off the John Wall contract. Yeah. And this is just why tanking is bullshit because it's like, obviously they can't buy out this $48 million contract. with like, Well, they could, but like, why would they do that? <laughs> he hasn't done anything for them. Why are they about to spend this amount of money? Because they're well, spending it anyway. They are. That's, but, that's the thing, because you're spending it anyway, and at least you could stretch and wave it, like uh, Luol Deng. You know how like Luol Deng was like the fourth highest paid Laker last season? Yeah, yeah and like, they finally got off of it. Yeah, like you could stretch and wave it if you really care about the cap, but Houston is like so young, they don't really have to care. I just don't understand why not just, like, play him a little bit. Like, do you have to, like, start him? No, but why not just, like, let him go out there and teach Jalen Green a few things? I don't get it. Uh, it You're not going to be good. Like, even if John Wall plays, how many games are you going to win? More than you were going to win already. I just don't think it's that many. Like, not a knock against him. If you sit him in key moments. Yeah, just like the rest of the team is not good enough for John Wall to like carry this team to even like close to the play in or anything like that. So what are they worried about? They're good. I guess they literally just want the number one pick <laughs> and not well, they're, like they're the crafting pick. with OKC to get that. Sh- <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> All right, Dennis Schroeder, big buyout candidate to me as well. Traded back to traded to Houston 
for Thais to get back to Boston. Boston upgrading their five spot on a one-year $5.9 million deal that he got from Boston. It's already all, all like what, two-thirds of the way up already. I imagine he gets butt out from Houston for the same reason why John Wall is not playing any minutes in Houston. Like Dennis Schroeder took a took a very, very large financial and reputational hit uh, messing around with your Lakers. What is in the cards for Dennis Schroeder? Bring him back. Bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> we need you. <laughs> uh, I guess. Like, I don't know. I really think that meant, like, I could see the Lakers buying out DeAndre Jordan and uh, Kent Bazemore. And LeBron just being like, all right, let's just bring back Tristan Thompson and Dennis Schroeder, two guys I've played with before, two guys who could maybe be slightly upgrades over those two. Um, But, again, I think that's, like, the best-case scenario, and it's pretty sad um, for that to be the best-case scenario. But you're never going to, like – the buyout market is never the home run that teams act like it is, like – the Lakers acted like getting DeAndre Jordan on the buyout market last year was like, oh, we're definitely repeating now. It just I mean, doesn't always work. There's a reason their team is paying them to leave the team before their contract is up. Okay. I mean, like, the Nets got, like, um, what, Blake and LaMarcus that season? LaMarcus, LaMarcus is a good one. Blake Griffin yeah, sucks at basketball, though. And wow. that's why he was bought out. Wow. Yo, Blake was putting up numbers in Detroit. Like, he put numbers on the board. Uh, Ennis Freedom is also another casualty from the Boston-Houston trade. Uh, Ennis Cantor Freedom yeah, has already been waived. out by, like, the Trump 2028 rally or something. <laughs> I think Ennis might be finding his way out the league. Like... I think I think he uh, he 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 pressed a little too hard this year, and that's gonna cost him moving forward. The dude is a fucking bum. Do you feel like we? All right, I'm with that. I'm with that. Let's let's uh, move. Oh shit! Uh, Tristan Thompson is signing with the the Bulls. Congratulations. Huh? I it. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Let's Robin go. Lopez to Philly. Calling it now. All right. Yeah. Offensive rebounds. Like, that is the bane of our existence as a team. Like, I love Vooch, but God, Vooch is not a great offensive rebounder. He's good at getting defensive rebounds for sure, but because he plays so far outside on a lot of possessions, he's not a great offensive rebounder. I feel like Javante Green is our best offensive rebounder on our team. And no distance to Javante Green because I love his energy. He plays so hard for our Bulls. But, like, that is not okay. Yeah, I mean, you'd like that to be a big man. For yeah. Sure. So I am very interested to see the backup five Tristan Thompson minutes. He's not as great of a defender, especially in the pick and roll. But like, we don't have a big that's good in the pick and roll now. So, <laughs> uh, 
Nice, nice, nice. Let's get into All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend. We are, let's start with the, like, first off, the actual All-Star game. That is the bread and butter, what, like, people actually come to see. And after the changes they made last season, it, it was actually a more interesting game. The, like, phases and then the final quarter really just kind of refreshing the game and, like, playing first to X score. Did you watch the draft? I did watch the draft. Oh man, I the it was draft a good old hilarious. time. <laughs> oh man, like Charles. I, do you? Okay, since we both watched it, do you believe Charles Barkley shamed James Harden out of playing these last couple of games for the Sixers? Bro, it it would be hard to after being directly called out like that because, like, the fans will, but for someone to who has played. Who like literally knows what you're doing because he's been through it. I kind of think he was like, ah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm hurt. Like I, I I have to at least milk this a little bit longer. Oh man, that was hilarious. And just like trying to avoid a picky James and LeBron obviously tossing James really back to KD to see if he would do it, putting the clipboard in front of his face. Like, this was hilarious. Bro, like, LeBron he- is like a little kid. He is hilarious. <laughs> he was just giggling, <laughs> cracking up, like, oh, my God, I'm going to make KD pick James. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was fantastic TV. I laughed the entire time. I Looking at these teams, Team LeBron is going to be coached by Monty Williams and the Sun staff. Team KD will be coached by Eric Spolcher and the Heat staff. I look at these teams, and just to give you all the starters, Team KD has Embiid at the center spot, Job Morant, Jason Tatum, Trey Young, Andrew Wiggins. That's not bad. Team LeBron, though, has LeBron, Giannis, Steph, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Jokic. Now... Ugh. Who are you taking? I like Team LeBron. He's just good at drafting. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck KD is doing when he comes to these things. Like, I think LeBron KD takes it so players. seriously. Like, if you you watched it, so with all of LeBron's picks, he's like, with the fourth pick in the first <laughs> round, I'm taking blah blah blah. From the San Antonio Spurs. And then KD picks, he's like, uh, I'll take DeJounte Murray. (laughs) (laughs) I think LeBron is just like way more just like nerdy about it and like has his draft board and is like ready to go for it. I think KD just like rolls out of bed and is like, who's on the the list? All right. I haven't watched any other games. Look, I – I will say that I do think Team LeBron's going to smoke them. Like, even the reserves, Team LeBron has Luka, Darius Garland, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, Donovan Mitchell, Fred Van Fleet, and James Harden, technically, which I, I assume at this point he better just skip the whole All-Star game as well, and we'll hear about a last-minute replacement. I and, think it's Jared Allen. I think. Oh, facts, facts. He just Jared got Allen. in. Yes, he got in today, or, or was it yesterday? One of these days. Yeah. Uh, like the reserves on the other side for Team KD is Booker, Cat, Levine, DeJounte Murray, Chris Middleton, LaMelo Ball, replacement player, as well as Rudy Gobert. 
like they're gonna get smoked. Like they got some hot scoring, and that will be kind of exciting. And like I'd like to see what happens if John Morant and Trey Young take over an All Star game and just start hitting buckets, like buckets inside out, ridiculous nonsense. But I don't, I just. It don't even sound like Team KD is supposed to win an all-star game. Yeah. It's like LeBron said. Like, no one is going to try harder in the game than Giannis. So, it doesn't really matter. Like, Giannis, Steph, Bron, Luka, all on the same all-star team. Like, all right. Let's move on to the three-point contest. The three-point contest, I feel like, has become, like, the most interesting part of this, like, weekend now that's not the actual game it's a it's actually a pretty wide pool right cj mccullum trey young zach levine desmond bain shout out sleeper on the memphis grizzlies that boy shot is wet even though he's built like a brick fucking house like they got cat up there fred van fleet luke Kennard, and patty mills oh man oh man you got any favorites on this pool? So I actually had fun with this earlier because there are three people in this contest who have been in it before. So I went back and watched them um, in in their contest in previous years. It's Trey Young, Zach Levine, and CJ McCollum. I can tell you, I would not bet on any of the three of them after re-watching them in the three-point contest. Because I really went in being like, oh, Trey Young. Trey Young will probably, like, take it seriously. He's, like, got unlimited range. Trey Young got to his last rack, which had all his money balls, with, like, six seconds left on the clock last year. Or maybe it was 2020 uh, in the all, in, in the three-point contest. So I would not go with him, CJ, or Zach Levine. None of them got out of the first round. So I think it is between Desmond Bain and Patty Mills. Patty Mills is only there for the three-point contest. And Desmond Bain is playing in the Rising Stars Challenge. So I think he might be tired, but his arms, it's hard to bet against those arms. Um, But I think Patty Mills is going to win. He's like my early favorite. Uh, Is only there for the three-point contest. It's like the only thing he'll be thinking about. So, I, I I like Patty. Okay, I also think Desmond Bain is a big big sleeper. I will say, I have a lot of feels about just Fred Van Fleet, like that Wichita Shocker. I think on the All Star stage because of how he how it took for him to get there, he is going to ball out this weekend. And his minutes will be limited in the other game. I actually really like FEV here. I could see an FEV Bane finals. Yeah, I like that. I I could also see it against Patty Mills. I feel like Luke Kennard is gonna get into like the later rounds, but it's not gonna finish. I I like this the Taco Bell Skill Challenge, which is this is new the new format for this. And I like the fact that the NBA all-star game is just sort of like changing a lot of the formula and formats and stuff. It's now three, uh, three challenges and then a final competition. It's a shooting challenge, a passing challenge, and then like a relay race challenge where they have like spots worth points from like 10 to 30 feet. They do a bunch of shooting. 
Then they do passing into like moving targets in the next round for points. And then the relay is very interesting. It's an outlet pass, a dribble down the court through moving pylons, a short shot in the lane, a three-pointer from the corner against an automated defender. I'm not sure what that is, but I am actually quite interested to see what the automated defender is going to be on the court. And then a dribble to the opposite goal to make a basket dunk layup jump shot it doesn't matter and they relay through the whole thing they're doing teams of three for that then the final thing is a half court shot dude this is gonna be fun yeah i actually think it's dope the one thing i don't or i'm like interested about is how betting is for this event because the way it used to be before it was teams it was like seven or eight people in it and so the odds range like last year, Chris Paul was the favorite. So I think he was like minus 100, but I was able to get like, you're able to get really good odds on some of these people that are less likely to win. So I won like pretty good money on Sabonis winning the skills challenge last year. And if I can't bet on just like an individual to do something in the skills challenge, I will be kind of bummed, but that's the one thing about it that I'm like, so you might be able to bet who hits the half court shot. I like that. Like that would be a good one. Like, and I and I guess if your team, the, the team you bet on, does not make it to the finals, you automatically lose. Like the teams are Team Rook, Scotty Barnes from Toronto, Cade Cunningham from Detroit, and the slept on Josh Giddy from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Team Cavs with Jared Allen. Darius Garland and Evan Mobley and team Atadakumbo with Giannis, Alex, and Thanasis. I, based off the fact that there are two high level shooting portions of this challenge, I have automatically axed team Atadakumbo from, from any type of contention whatsoever. I was about to say, dude, team Atadakumbo is about to get smoked in this challenge. But they're going to have a lot of fun and, like, it'll be dope for them to be on the All Star stage together as brothers. Like, that's just legendary, old. right? But they're going to get absolutely smoked. Like, I actually think Team Rookie is going to win this. Me too. Kate Cunningham. Well, Kate Josh Cunningham. Me too. But like, skills challenge passing, Kate Cunningham is like. And Giddy. Yeah. And like, which of these, like, of all nine guys, I think two of the most likely of them to hit a half court shot are in Team Rook. Agreed. Um, like, Darius Garland could hit one too. Okay. Um, Evan Mobley is actually like, I think I would pick Team Cavs if Jared Allen were not on it. And that might sound like really kind of like insulting. It's just not like if the Cavs could have had like one more wing or guard be in there. But I, I just like Jared Allen is a huge dude. Can you imagine him going down the lane through pylons? (laughs) (laughs) Dribbling down the lane through pylons. I think it's going to be funny. Um, But, yeah, I just think that Team Rook is just more set up for, like, what the skills challenge kind of asks of you. And Cade Cunningham and Josh Gideon, even Scotty Barnes, uh, to an extent, I think all will thrive at a lot of these, like, different skills-based challenges. Okay, facts, facts, facts. At least with the last part of this, the frequently disappointing dunk contest. 
Look, this year they got Cole Anthony for the Orlando Magic, who is like six three. I like the little, the little, and this is relative, right? Uh, guys are always really exciting in the dunk contest. Juan Toscano Anderson from the Golden State Warriors. Obi Toppin makes his return from the New York Knicks. And last but definitely not least is that boy in Houston, Jalen Green. Like, this has the potential to be pretty good. I think Obi Toppin is really scorned from last year. And I think he might come with some nasty stuff. Like, I feel like final round Toppin Green. I think... OB has a really good chance to win. Just like it feels like that being having done it before is going to factor a lot into do and into just knowing how to approach it. Yeah, I feel like he he had some tricks in his bag. He just couldn't pull out last year, if I remember properly. So hopefully we get to see some of the exciting stuff that he wasn't able to get going at the uh, end of the at the well, I guess it was the middle of the competition then. That's our breakdown for All-Star Weekend. We are excited to see what the NBA has in store for us. And then again, Zach Levine, you'll never hear this, but I'm speaking it into the ether. Sit your ass down. We have bigger and better goals. Y'all is Tony Playboy. All right, all right, Leo. Let's get into a little bit of a pick and roll where we talk about the hottest sports news in basketball for this week. You know, we didn't get a chance to speak on the Sixers-Nets trade because it happened the day after we recorded, like we thought it would, actually. And it was ironic because we opened up that conversation about, like, is Seth Curry really going to be the piece that stops this trade from going through? Lo and behold, the Sixers trade Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond, who is a nice sweetener, and two first-round picks to Brooklyn for James Harden and Paul Millsap. Man, a lot of a lot of conversation about this trade. A lot of Philly fans and Sixers lovers saying that they absolutely got the best out of this trade and it was a great trade for them. A lot of onlookers are saying Brooklyn fleeced. Where are you at? I think everyone is being too quick to say anything because, like, how how do we really know who won if? Brooklyn gets a really nice package, and then Philly wins a championship this year, then it seems like they both win or vice versa. So I think I, this is gonna this is one that's gonna take me a lot of time of just like watching how it plays out to see because James Harden accepted his extension, has is eligible for the supermax now. If they give him the supermax they could get some really, really bad years out of that contract. But if they win a ring, none of that matters. Um, I do think that Brooklyn pretty much got like the best situation they possibly could in that they got a great young player who has been an all-star, whose primary thing is defense and playmaking. Um, so I think Ben should thrive if he can get all of his stuff sort it out just like mentally and everything and get back to basketball. Getting two picks is huge. You can use those. You can package those into something else. You, If it doesn't work out with Ben, you could package Ben in those two picks into something else. 
Um, getting Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. Seth Curry is getting Seth Curry is huge, especially if Joe Harris is going to miss the majority of this year or even the rest of it. That's another elite shooter that you can space the floor with. And then Andre Drummond, everyone's always saying the Nets need size. So I think they got a really nice package. But if Philly wins a championship with, with Harden and Embiid, even if they have some bad years on the James Harden contract afterwards, I think they'll view it as a win. And if Ben Simmons ends up working out with Brooklyn, I think they'll view it as a win too. So I think both sides did as well as they could given the current situation. And I think Daryl Morey did really good to say that like, to prove that everyone, myself included, wrong, that said they were not going to be able to find a superstar market for Ben Simmons by just waiting and that they had tanked his value too much. I think they always had James Harden in the back pocket. I think Daryl Morey always knew, not that he was just waiting for a superstar, but he was waiting for James Harden to become come available, either in free agency um, or through trade. Um, and I'll get into just like – we'll get into just more of what we think about like what led up to the trade and everything. But if I was KD, I would hate James Harden. I think it's here clear that he does. I don't. Um, Well, he at least is not thrilled. I don't think he's thrilled, but I think it's very clear. KD has decided to beat Switzerland and KD is too motherfucking big, both literally and metaphorically in this concept to play Switzerland between James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Like, you are just, like, you are it. You are him. Like, when you said, I'm Kevin Durant, do you know who I am? You are him. You are too big to play Switzerland in this type of a, like, conflict mediation situation where you're like, well, I'm not going to tell, you know, Kyrie what he's supposed to do because, you know, Kyrie has his own bodily autonomy, and I respect that because that's my boy. But also, I know why James is mad, and I understand why James is mad, and I'm like, James, stick it out, believe in us, but I can also understand why James is like, well, hell no. This was like, no, no, absolutely not. We will not play with part-time player. It makes a lot of sense, and I think Katie decided to play Switzerland and let let people do what they was going to do, and I bet he's not thrilled but he's not thrilled with either party. Yeah, I mean, he had to play Switzerland between a giant baby and a big weirdo. And I'll let you decide who is who. But one of them is a giant baby and the other one is a weirdo. And that's just how I feel about it. Like what did James what was James Harden's problem? That like Kyrie wasn't playing that part-time or that Kyrie's playing part-time? I think it, it, I think that's kind of how it happened. He was just like, okay, Kyrie's going – but first off, Kyrie can't play at all. That's where it started from, right? Like Kyrie can't play at all because he doesn't want to get the shot. It's his choice, whatever, right? But also like in every other city where it was mandated, every NBA player that didn't want to do it still did it. Like let's say all-star Andrew Wiggins, right? And so first off, no Kyrie. Then, because there's too much minutes on him and Harden, on Harden and KD to get things going and to win games, you're like now part time Kyrie. Which once you give part time Kyrie the opening, you will never get full time Kyrie, right? So then it's just part time Kyrie, and you got to think about it. When you build a super team, there is always one big knock on it: depth. 
When you build a super team and you combine those huge contracts, the big knock on it is always depth. Like when Golden State had their super team, it was a lot of really good guys and a lot of minimum, like mid-level deals around them, right? And we saw what happened when they lost two of them. They couldn't close. When you build a big three, if like we we even saw the Lakers' current problem with their three massive contracts, right? You cannot have depth. And the real issue with Kyrie is not just like, okay, we don't have Kyrie some of the time, but it's also like we don't have $40 million of assistance on the court, whether that be Kyrie or that be like three other players that can contribute, right? But maybe nowhere near the level of Kyrie, but the three of them can't contribute, take the load off of the other players, et cetera. Like it's an unsustainable mission, especially for a guy that is coming off a hamstring injury that kind of messed them up. Katie, who came off a catastrophic injury and then now had to get shut down again. Like the workload is unsustainable. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm never going to defend Kyrie not getting the vaccine or that that should, isn't frustrating. But they sacrifice – the reason they don't have depth is because they traded it all to get you because you demanded and said that you wanted to join the big three. Sure, you assume that Kyrie is going to be involved. But let's just take it back and think about it in context. Every superstar you've played with, you have run them out of town when you got sick of playing with them, I'm not talking about OKC um, because Look, everything because this leaving- is a bad argument. Those guys all have terrible track records too. Like Dwight Howard was a team killer for like the year before he got with Harden, and then like half a decade afterwards. How about Chris Paul? Chris Paul has rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way. Like, do you remember the meltdown of of uh, the Clippers? Like, all those Clippers guys are like, the team did not like each other. There was too much extra BS going on. Like, Barnes talks about it all the time. JJ talks about it all the time. They were beefing on the Clippers squad. Beefing. Russ? Russ? I think the Russ thing was actually just like, this does not work. And we saw that it just did not work. Just like Russ is not working in L.A. Like, the, also, like, I think it just, yeah, the Russ thing it was pretty clear, like, this is just not going to do it. And Russ left him. He did well, not leave Russ. Russ was like, this is not going to work. Well, and they James fired like, Daryl Morey, and then everybody right, ran Darryl away. Morey, and then everyone and, just left. Yeah, yeah, I do not blame him. And you know where James Harden went? Right back to Daryl Morey. Which is what should have happened in the first place. Houston just wasn't going to trade him to Daryl Moore. Exactly. James actually said in his opening presser with the Sixers media uh, this week that his first choice, and he told the uh, Rockets his first choice was to go to Philly in the first place. And understandably, the Rockets were like the guy that told us he wanted to retire and take some time off, then quit, and immediately started working for another team in the NBA. We are not giving you to him, right? Fair. Right, but James said he always wanted to be a Sixer. And we could understand why reasonably the Rockets were not going to trade him to the Sixers. Yeah. I just think there is part of what, like, 
We have never seen Harden step up, take control of a playoff series, and just be dominant. He has always blamed other people for it not working, but where is that quintessential James Harden playoff moment? Look, we I'm seen- not saying that – okay, no, go ahead. My bad. So I'm just saying it's on. It's all on the line. Like there is no more complaining. You can't put it on Philly if this doesn't work out. Like I think legacy is an overblown and over-talked-about concept, but just like – when you're think when we think about just James Harden's career, this seems like a really important moment where it could either be he complained a bunch, got a bunch of people run out of Houston, left Houston, stayed in Brooklyn for six months, complained, left, and then it blows up in Philly after they commit a bunch of money to him, or we see that it really was everyone else's problem. James Harden needed to just be in the right situation. Him and Embiid are like the ultimate dynamic duo and win a championship. But he has to do it this year. It doesn't have to be this year. Or next year. Or, yeah. Or I think Brooklyn does end up, like, probably winning the trade. I will say I don't want to say James Harden is blame-proof here. Like, I don't think CP3 was the easiest person to get along with, but it clearly seemed like Harden was a big pusher of sending CP3 out the door. And we have seen what CP3 has done since. Exactly. The, the Dwight Howard thing, we've seen what Dwight Howard has done since. So I think he's completely fine there. Russ, same thing. Now, the Brooklyn situation, we went over very good reasons to want to get the fuck up out of there. Like, he's not blameless, but I do agree he's pushed his chips, especially reputationally, all into the all into the middle of the table. Let's move on and talk about a little bit of C.J. McCollum. I have a big soft spot for C.J. McCollum. He has played four games for the New Orleans Pelicans, and he is averaging 26 points per game on 50% shooting with five and a half assists, five and a half assists, seven rebounds, and a steal a game. Like, he walked out to the court with a bunch of guys he never really played with and just started giving out straight buckets. Straight buckets imagine if this team had zion you love to see it i'm excited for when they're if they're at full strength next year or even uh towards the tail end of this year i think that's a dangerous team with a lot of different scoring options the one thing they will need to think about is defense but yeah you can figure it out (laughs) yeah i mean that that is definitely key Speaking of Zion and when, are you hearing that Zion is possibly going to have to have a second foot surgery? I hadn't, but. Oh, man. Yeah. That report came out today saying that he uh, experiencing soreness in his feet might have to go under a second, uh, go under a second procedure. You hate to see it, but get better soon. People are, people are starting to make the Greg Oden references. It's getting scary hours. Man, I like, and you know he's he actually spent a bunch of time in Portland, like since like December or something like that. Like, do you think that and that had anything to do with how CJ ended up in Nola? It could. Like, Zion has been in Portland, not in New Orleans, for like three months. Maybe they've linked up. Don't start tampering rumors. <laughs> 
right, we'll keep it moving. Tyreek Evans is returning shooting yard. Wasn't now talking about on the buyout market because there's no one to buy him out because he was suspended from the uh, NBA for the last two seasons for a drug of abuse, which means he didn't do anything uh, performance enhancing related, but stuff like LSD, heroin, codeine, PCP, meth, MDMA, something like that was found in his system. Got him the big band ha- hammer, former number four overall pick and rookie of the year. Do you see Tyreek Evans showing up, getting put on one of these teams towards the end of the season and being able to show? Yeah, I'm I'm back. The NBA is where I'm supposed to be at. Okay. I just had to look up his age. He's 32. Yes, he so, is. So like I think he'll get on a team and could make a roster. Um, I don't see him getting like significant minutes on a contender or a playoff team or anything like that, but I would be happy to see him get back in the league. He was an exciting player as a young player, and then kind of just like fell off had like LeBron comparisons his, his after his rookie year and then just kind of fell off um, and then got suspended from the league. But I remember he's just like, has like the longest arms you've ever seen. And that will always play well in the NBA. So I at least think he'll get a shot. All right. You know, last thing here, this is big. The Mavericks doing their trade with the Washington Wizards. They traded Porzingis and a second-round pick to the Wizards for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Like, uh, we have heard the rumors about how the Mavericks were interested in moving Christos Porzingis for quite some time. And, like, the rumors of his rift with Luka and, like, all of that. But the Mavs gave up the pick in this trade, which made me go, they must have really wanted to get Christoph Porzingis out the door. Yeah. Um, I think just like, I don't even think they really cared that much who they got back. I think they really just wanted to split the money he was making into two contracts because those two contracts are easier to move than one. Um, Maybe they also like Spencer Dinwiddie. I know they were linked to him in free agency and everything like that. But, yeah, they clearly just were ready to cut their losses on the Porzingis trade and move on. I feel like it's probably – I heard I, – I, I saw something that was like their record without Porzingis this year is like 11-5 and five or something like that, some sort of like positive – almost like double 500 type of record. So they felt like they were fine, like just as good with him uh, not playing. He's always hurt anyway. He's hurt again. And uh, it seems like they're just going backwards to to hopefully take a step forward um, by getting off of that money. Yeah, I mean, I heard like the stat that I saw was that the Mavericks win percentage when Porzingis and Doncic play together is 59%. The Mavericks win percentage when Doncic plays and Porzingis is not is 60%. Like, it's not like he's a big negative, but it's like, is he an addition? That's not a co-star. Yeah. Yeah. 
I that that's a big thing for me. I did think it was very interesting. Like it seems like the Mavericks bought low on some guys that are on some like well, especially Bertans, not a great contract, but they bought low. Bertans is like a career forty percent three point shooter who like really really fell off this year, like dropping into like the low thirties. Maybe he has a resurgence. He's definitely a catch and shoot guy, which you know is plays well off of Luca. Like. I'm interested to see what Dinwiddie can do here. Both of these guys seem to really be struggling in Washington this year. Maybe they have a resurgence. Maybe, honestly, you're probably right there, just further future trade pieces that are easier to move for this team. But I was shocked when I saw this. Like, I kind of get it for the Wizards. Yeah, if they I get still it for the Wizards. Like, if Kristaps Porzingis and Bradley Beal are both healthy – I think that, like, Bradley Beal doesn't dominate the ball as much as Luka, which is crazy to say considering the volume in which Bradley Beal scores at. Like, Bradley Beal is like, if I'm touching the ball, I'm about to just fucking bucket get real quick. Or he's or he'll just move it around. Like, you saw him and Russ work. Yeah, he can catch and shoot um, a lot more than Luka. Not that Luka can't, but just doesn't as much. And, and like I get it, there was like everything runs through Luca. Why not? Especially when you're being when you're that good. Let's 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 not play, boy. All right, welcome to the final segment of the show, the heart of the show, Ballers Bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do, and never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, we like to make a change. And this week's Ballers Bouquet goes to someone that really just hit a double crown this past weekend. Andrew Whitworth of the Los Angeles Rams, who won both his first Super Bowl championship against his former team, as well as the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, one of the league's most prestigious awards that go to a player for their outstanding contributions that are on, but also off the field where we like to focus here. So, you know, first and foremost, give it up for Andrew Whitworth. All right. So Andrew Whitworth was a three time runner up for the Walter Payton man of the year award before winning it this season. He has, has a storied, and I truly mean storied, resume of altruism to his community back in Louisiana, but also his community in Los Angeles. He has done things from dealing with homelessness to food insecurity to education initiatives. He's also a big participator in Boys and Girls Club activities where he gives his time to meet the, like, young promising people in this country from areas that need some more assistance. He even actually told a great story in his acceptance speech about playing the Detroit Lions, having someone walk up to him and he doesn't know who they are. And he is just like, I remember you from when you came and you saw us at the Boys and Girls Club. And I really appreciate what you did at helping me and showing me that it was possible to get here. Like, that's how long he has been doing this. And that's how long he's been showing his actual medal as a person. So Whitworth has launched a Big Wit Homes for LA Families 
at the beginning of the season and donated $20,000 after every Rams home game. He made the donations to repair homes in his home state of Louisiana and helping with housing security and to get more affordable housing in those areas. He also works with nonprofits in L.A. to help people pay rent, buy groceries, offer supports for down payments and furnishing of their homes. He's been a really big advocate through his Big Wit 77 Foundation, which offers a scholarship called Wits Warriors that has given out over half a million dollars in scholarships and school supplies. This is a dude who truly, from the bottom of his heart and through multiple different ways, methods, and causes, has been showing that he is really like that. He is a guy that really gives back because it's something that is integral to who he is as a person. And that's why he gets this week's Ballers Bouquet. All right, yo, that's it for this episode. We are at the end of this season. Y'all will not be getting full-scale, long-ass episodes like these anymore. So make sure that you all are following on all the social media platforms at the Fly Route Pod so you all can catch the short-form updates that you're going to be getting going forward. I want to say I appreciate all the listeners whether you're on Audia, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, wherever, who have rocked with us at any point through this journey. It has been like, shit, well over a year, 70 plus episodes, like long journey, but it's not done yet. I want to say I appreciate Sam for coming on the show. As always, thank you. And I can't wait to get back to y'all next season. The, 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 the Fly Route Pod. The Fly Rail Pod, the Fly Rail Pod, the Fly Rail Pod.